Hello and welcome to Freelance Party Broadcast. You're listening to the podcast of Freelance Corner, the online platform for UK freelancers. I'm Jess and I'm joined by Ella Creamer, my colleague at Freelance Corner. Thanks for joining Ella. Hi. Before we get started, just a reminder that we are recording from our homes, so the sound may not be as good as you're used to, but we're doing everything we can to keep bringing you this podcast. We're excited to be joined by Jenny Stallard, a freelance lifestyle journalist and founder of online platform Freelance Fields. Welcome, Jenny. Hello. (laughs) Each week, we quiz an expert on a subject that affects freelancers and one that affects pretty much every freelancer is rejection, ignored pitches, cancelled work, or worst of all, being ghosted. (laughs) Could you start by telling us about what you do, Jenny, and what made you want to start Freelance Fields? Yeah, so I've been a journalist for the best part of 20 years, sometimes freelance, sometimes staff, and often when staff freelance on the side. So I always kept freelancing bubbling away. It was almost like I was dating it, then we were dating secretly. And now I'm freelance since April 2017. I like to say me and freelancing are going steady now. I might even go so far as to say we're engaged. So I'm definitely committed to freelancing long term this time. I'm a lifestyle journalist, which I guess sort of covers... It's more the lifestyle of the feelings and the kind of um, the emotional side of life rather than I do write a little bit of, say, interiors and stuff. But generally, it's about day to day life and trends. I've just written a piece about, for example, um, how people who provide at desk wellness like massages have been pivoting during lockdown because obviously they couldn't do their roles. That's an example of the kind of lifestyle journalism, I guess, and a bit of opinion writing and copywriting. So a little bit of a a jack of all trades involving words, you could probably say. (laughs) And yeah, Freelance Feels is an Instagram community, a podcast, a newsletter and a blog and soon to launch workshops. Very exciting. Um, What kind of topics does Freelance Feels look at and how does it help freelancers? It's all the emotions of freelancing. So, for example, doing your tax return. There's lots of freelance areas where you can say, oh, I don't know how to do my tax return. Does anyone recommend a good online accountant? I would write a blog post or do some content about the feels of the tax return. So why do we leave it till the last minute and then give ourselves anxiety about it? Why are we frightened often of finances? You know, finances give me massive fear. So I sort of explore the emotional and mental health side of what freelancing and self-employed life throws at us. I'm about to do a little blog post about bank holiday not bank holiday because as we're talking it's pre-bank holiday in August isn't it and I was just thinking well do freelancers really have a bank holiday do we ever have a holiday so that's the kind of thing I might explore and how to switch off more and rather than giving people insurance recommendations I might talk about whether you feel like you need insurance and whether that makes you a proper freelancer and I think it helps people by well I guess the main feedback I get from people is they often just say you said exactly what I was feeling or thank you for writing this or posting this today. You've hit the nail on the head. That's how it feels. Yeah, that's great. It must be really comforting for people to have that community. So today we're talking about how freelancers can deal with rejection. Is rejection something you found difficult to handle over your freelance career? Very much so. And I think it's constant. So I wouldn't say that even after 20 years, I'm better or worse at dealing with it. It really made me think. So when I said I went freelance in April 2017, that was following redundancy. So every other time I'd gone freelance, I'd chosen to leave a job and go into the freelance world. Whereas this time I was being told that my job was no longer needed. That was a huge rejection. And I think at the moment, a lot of people are facing redundancy. And it's, I would say redundancy was like, 
the worst breakup I ever had. It's like getting dumped when you think it's all going okay. (laughs) So there's definitely that high level. I mean, freelancing is essentially opening yourself up to daily rejection by its very nature because you're canvassing for work, you're cold pitching. Sometimes I feel like we're just a version of the door-to-door duster salesman that you used to get. When I was a kid, people come around, some people might not remember this, See, Jess is nodding. Um, Yeah, they'd come to the door with boxes of like dusters, cleaning products. And you'd be like, no, I don't want any dusters today. And sometimes I feel like that when I'm pitching out my ideas. It's like, oh, that's another no, another door closed, another person twitching the curtain, ignoring the doorbell while I'm going, hello, I've got an idea. So yeah, I would say it's kind of like part and parcel, which is good and bad, as I think we're going to discuss. I think one of the hardest things is when you get a rejection, you know, when you really thought it was a brilliant idea or you've had conversations with an editor or your client or whoever they are and they've seemed really keen and then at the last hurdle they're like, actually, no. How do you recommend freelancers bounce back after rejection and stay motivated? That's such a familiar scenario. I'm in that moment as we speak. I've pitched something to a magazine and they said, love it, we'll raise it with the editor. And I haven't heard anything else. It's time sensitive. So I need to send that, oh, hello, I'm just following up on this, that little like, you know, email that you feel so daft sending, you feel really like you're interrupting their busy, amazing world with your silly little query. I think one of the biggest things to help you bounce back is to not have all your eggs in one pitch basket. It is a bit like dating where you would have, for example, you know, I guess not everybody dates like this, but you might be on Tinder, on Bumble, chatting to a few people and planning to go on dates with one or two of them. But you might be going on a date with one person and still chatting to the other on the tube home or that morning, you know, and it's the same with freelancing. You can't only pitch to one person or one client or email one person individually and wait for them to say yes or no. All of your rejection, emotional sort of store is in their hands. So I would say try and get lots of stuff out there because then, you know, the law of averages says that you're more likely to get one or two yeses out of 10 pitches than one yes from one pitch. So I'd definitely say don't, don't rely on, you know, the person you're pitching to, to like it and want it because there's a million variables for them as well. Remind yourself that they're in a whole world of juggling everything as well. So it might be that they literally did miss your email or they have, like with the scenario I gave where I've, I've got to follow up, she might have just completely forgotten that she said she was interested because she's on a, it's a Sunday supplement. She's probably rushed off her feet. One thing I often do and recommend people do, if you're getting silence from an editor in particular, go on their social media and see what they're doing. Because I was getting silence off an editor at a magazine who normally is really chatty. And I was thinking, I wonder why she's suddenly ignoring me. And then you go from naught to 100. Oh, she hates me. She's read something I put online. She thinks I'm an idiot. All those feelings. She was um, meant to be getting married but she couldn't because of lockdown. So on her Instagram, she was having her non-wedding day. She didn't give two hoots about my pitch. She should have been getting married. (laughs) So often you can see a reason that they wouldn't divulge to you personally, but they'll have put it on social media or they might put on Twitter. Oh, I'm on maternity leave now. Oh, I've just had my baby. You're like, oh, that's why you're not replying. (laughs) You're not even on the emails. I guess this is sort of a related question, but how would you suggest that freelancers stop taking rejections personally? This is a hard question because I'd kind of like to know myself. (laughs) But it is a little bit of that thing about not making it so personal. And one of the things I've done over the last six months is actually start a pitching spreadsheet, which was recommended to me by one of my podcast guests, a journalist called Rosie Mullinder. And I find that by having a record of what I've pitched, who I've pitched it to and when, and whether there was a yes or a no and a reason, 
it makes pitching more of the business side of things rather than the emotional side of things. So that's really helped me kind of make it like, well, pitching is first and foremost business, but, but then I guess you're sort of, you're almost sending your idea or perhaps if you're looking to collaborate your brand, you're like almost saying to people, do you think my baby's cute? And people sometimes don't even say, I'm not even looking in the pram, don't care about your little project. Whereas to you, it's like this idea you've had that you think is, you know, game changing and it's going to really help people. And, and I guess the good thing about it is someone ignores you for a few days or three people say no, there's about a hundred other people out there who might say yes. And that's the joy of it is that it's not limited. You know, you could pitch that one idea. You might wait. This is another good thing Rosie told me is she'll make a note on her spreadsheet. So say I pitch out the thing that's time sensitive and I do get a no and then it becomes too late. The other one I was talking about earlier, I can make a note on the spreadsheet and say, revisit this in six months because it's tied to the autumn equinox. I thought, well, it could probably be tied to the spring equinox. That's about renewal as well. You make yourself a note and you think, oh, it's not that my idea was rubbish. I was too late pitching it or they were too busy. They were too full. It helps you see the business side of pitching if you make all those notes, I think. That's really interesting. I I guess we all have to face rejections. You're right. It's part of the job. And I guess, you know, you're, you're kind of talking about journalism, but it happens in so many different careers, you know, in freelance careers. Do you think that the coronavirus pandemic has meant freelancers are facing more rejections or are struggling with rejections more? Definitely, because I think that freelancers, a lot of people are living by themselves. And so there's rejection plus isolation. That combination is really dangerous for well-being because, you know, even if you're in a a co-working space, you can turn to the person near you and be like, oh, five people have ignored my idea today. And they'll be like, oh, mate, three people have ignored mine. Should we have a cup of tea? But if you're sat at home, and this is what was often happening to me when I started Freelance Feels, was I just start crying because I just felt really, you just feel quite worthless, don't you, when everybody ignores you? It's really rubbish. And I think it's quite interesting that you sort of mentioned there's loads of different kinds of rejection, like not just pitching as a journalist, but I guess for me, rejection has stemmed from someone ignoring a pitch through to not being shortlisted for an award that I applied for. Sometimes not getting a reply when you repost something on Instagram from someone you admire and then they don't even click like and you think, oh, that feels like rejection. You know, that feels like, oh, I put myself out there and liked that thing that they did and they haven't said, oh, thanks for liking it. You feel a bit like oh, rejected. But I think with the pandemic, yeah, there's, there's a bit of a double-edged sword in that there's a lot more rejection possibilities because I guess we're all pitching out more and trying to get more business, reaching out to new clients. But I, th- I feel like there's also a bit of positivity there in that lots of people are thinking, hold on a minute, freelancers exist. So there's lots of people in companies that didn't really realise the power of freelancers and what we all sit out here doing remotely. Now everyone understands this remote world that we live in. And I think some companies are more open to booking freelancers. So yes, the rejection is probably higher But I think the possibilities are possibly greater as well because of the pandemic. There is some positive. We know that in the past with recessions and when there have been economic crashes that freelancers actually do quite well comparatively because people do look for more flexible talent. I guess I wonder, kind of on that question about the coronavirus pandemic and how it's impacted rejection, when you pitch now... I'm kind of speaking for all freelancers here, which is always difficult to do, but for a lot of people, they're pitching now and it's not because, oh, they just need to find the next bit of work. It's because they need to pay their rent that month because they've had clients cancel and stuff like that. 
that must make it so much harder to accept when someone says no or when someone leads you on for a bit and then actually no thanks it's a great idea but we don't have the budget which they could have told you at the start um personal rant (laughs) but you know that kind of thing is so much harder now isn't it definitely definitely and I think the more freelancers I meet particularly through Facebook groups and I know Ipse has just launched its own self-employed freelance group which I'm loving engaging with so yay to that on those groups I'm seeing more and more people who are there's lots of creative freelancers from you know journalists copywriters designers web designers social media people but then there are a lot of people who are you know just running their own business by themselves people who run wedding stationery businesses or even people who run some kind of trade like an electrician or a builder and and they have that on that level as well where they'll come round to quote someone for a job And they might spend an hour looking at your building and saying, oh, yes, I could put you up a wall there and I could do you this thing here, knowing deep down that there's going to be two other people that are quoting and they might never even hear back from the homeowner or the person they've sort of essentially done their pitch for that side of their business, you know, doing your bathroom or whatever. They're kind of thinking, oh, well, I hope they do pick me. And then they must think, well, why doesn't she want me to tile her bathroom? What did I do wrong that day? It's hard not to make it personal because... Because it kind of is, I suppose, because we are our brands. But yeah, people are realising the power of freelancers. And I think the best thing about freelancers is we kind of had a head start on this. So when we all went into lockdown and lots of people had to start working from home, they were like, how do I do this? How do I manage my time? How do I fit in exercise and and relaxation? And all the freelancers are a bit like, oh, we sort of know. We're trying to put that into practice already. So it's almost like we were in pole position and we know how to pivot I think more naturally we're quite tenacious freelancers I think as a gang and yeah a lot of us will go oh hold on well I can't do what I normally do oh but I could do these three other things I think we're better at seeing the pivot opportunities because that's what we have to do anyway every time you say pivot Pivot. I can just see that scene from yeah the scene (laughs) from (laughs) friends they're trying to move the sofa which is what freelancing feels like a lot of the time trying to move a sofa up there it's so true I think there's someone who's got a newsletter the pivot newsletter I can't think who does it but I'm pretty sure there's a freelancing newsletter called pivot with that in mind yeah it's quite funny and every time it comes in my inbox yeah you just you just hear Ross from friends shouting pivot but yeah we are you know We used to doing everything for ourselves, you know, often sitting at not, you know, I'm very not into people putting their perfect Instagram desks on on Instagram. You know, it's just like, oh, if anyone has a neat desk, they have messy drawers as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) You know, it's about the reality and freelancers often are, you know, sitting at the kitchen table or sitting on their bed. You know, we don't all have the perfect setup, but we knew that before the pandemic, we were already working that way. So it's almost like our brains can kick into looking for new work because we're used to working from yeah the kitchen table or on dodgy Wi-Fi and that kind of thing. So for freelancers who are sort of stuck in a rut and feeling very negative, what would you suggest they do? I have lots of thoughts for this. The first one is exercise, but I keep saying exercise, but I really want to stress exercise that works for you. So one exercise works for one person. It certainly doesn't for the other person. And running is the classic example. So lots of people say, oh, I go running. I'm like, I used to go running. I actually have made peace with the fact that I really don't actually like running. (laughs) I like swimming. So I started going swimming. There's a Lido near where I've moved to and I've been swimming a couple of times. Really enjoy it. Going to go again. So yeah, do the exercise that works for you. So, you know, it could be yoga, running, swimming, boxercise, walking. 
I think that taking time away from the computer is really, really important. I know there are some apps people can use. I don't. I just tend to sort of go, right, that's it. Close the computer. I'm off for an hour somewhere else or I'll just put my phone down and go in the other room and kind of physically get away from it rather than timing it. But another thing that often comes up that people recommend to me as well is either deleting social media apps off your phone or at the very least turning off the notifications because you know, one of the biggest things I think that comes up is like imposter syndrome and over comparing. And if you have the notifications on for all the social media, it's literally like someone tapping you on the shoulder and going, Oi, here's something that might really throw a curveball into your day. Look, so and so says they've written a really good article that you haven't written. Aha. And it's like the notification is almost like the little devil on your shoulder telling you and interrupting you. And the other thing I've, I've noted down is be kind because then kindness comes, you know, try reposting something from someone you admire, say nice things on other people's stuff. So don't expect all the praise to come to you without perhaps dishing it out a little bit to fellow freelancers, you know, be supportive to those you think are doing a good job, send them a message and say, I really love what you're doing today. Because you never know what door that might open. Um, and then I've written in capital letters, unfollowing is okay. If something's stressing you out, and it's really interrupting your working day, stop following that person because that's probably just the easiest thing to do. They won't notice you've unfollowed them. Unless they're your best friend, they're unlikely to notice. Like it, that really links into what um, my next question is. When you're not getting much work and you see people celebrating their successes, you can be happy for them, but also be jealous as hell about it. And that's absolutely fine. But how can freelancers look after themselves in those patches where you're just not getting enough work it's really interesting question and it's something my partner is very good at so he's freelance as well but in a completely different industry to me so he does wayfinding systems which is like when you go to a venue and all the signs are in the place they're in the wayfinder designs the signage system for like a stadium or a train station so he designs those and it's it's very much more kind of businessy I suppose than journalism so he often looks at me being all like, oh, this editor doesn't love my idea. And he's like, well, send it to someone who does. Don't work with people that don't respect you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so he's very good when things are quiet at getting the things done that you don't normally have time to do. And, you know, the admin doing your accounts a little bit or like oh, inputting those receipts into the accounting app, which I'm pretty sure everybody listening probably doesn't do regularly. Or doing things that you enjoy, that when the work comes again, and I guarantee it does come back. Remind yourself it comes back. There's always something else that comes along. Do the things you don't normally have time for. See if someone local does want a coffee. Go and do two hours at the pool or, or, or you know, stay a bit longer at the gym and use the cafe if it's available. I don't know what people's sort of cafe availability is sort of thing, but make the most of it, reminding yourself that the time will come again. I mean, I'll often, in a quiet time now, be like, well, I'm going for a manicure because why not? I worked really hard last week and I earned some money, so... Let's use this quiet time to pamper ourselves or have a little lie-in. If, if no business is happening tomorrow, maybe don't set the alarm and just wake up a bit more slowly and see what the day brings rather than going, well, I must get up and be on email just in case. It's okay. You can check your phone while you're lying in bed with a coffee. So kind of be, use it to be kind to yourself, but also do the work admin that needs doing, the stuff you don't get around to normally. Shred those documents, do the account bits and bobs, update your spreadsheets so that you're then ready to hit the ground running when work does rear its head again. And I know um, a freelancer through Freelance Corner, I met them at an event actually um, when events existed in the real world, um, who said that when they don't have much work, they use it as an enforced holiday 
and because they never take time off when they need to take time off and I know everyone is guilty of that they don't take the same amount of time off as people in employed work do so she was saying oh basically if I can't get any work and I know that this two-week period there's going to be no work I force myself to take it off and I think that's such a good way of looking at it as like a you know it's not it's not great and yes money's really tight and at the moment maybe that doesn't work if you're really struggling for income but I think it's a positive way to look at it right I'm not getting any money in I might be sitting here stressing myself out trying to find work when actually it might be better for my business and my mental health if I just take a week off and just relax I think that's that's quite good advice I absolutely love that I think it's really great and it's like you can even take yourself off somewhere I mean this second half of the year is like staycation zone isn't it you know everyone's sort of going somewhere in England or or whatever country they live in they obviously they might listen to this anyway you know people aren't traveling abroad as much yeah, you know, suddenly so think, well, okay, well, maybe I could go away for the night somewhere. Maybe there's a cheap deal on. And if you feel like that mixture, like you were describing, where you think, oh, actually, though, I feel guilty doing this because if, if, again, my partner has this phrase where he'll go into this sort of halfway holiday mode, which he calls, if the phone rings, I'll answer it. So you don't scout for work, you don't pitch, you don't reach out to new clients on LinkedIn. But say an editor emailed and said to me, oh, I'd really like you to write this piece. I'm not going to say, well, no, I'm on holiday. I won't pitch them, but if they come to me, I could say, that's great, but I would need another week to file it because I've now planned to go away for the night. So you could work on an if the phone rings, answer it basis. Well, you can do that during your enforced holiday. You could then be doing some DIY, you know, joining some online webinars. That's the thing. The holiday time can still be kind of productive if you want it to be. I've been doing a lot of webinars and I know Ipsy are doing some, aren't they? Sort of during lockdown, there's millions of free webinars. So if you fancy a day off pitching and cold calling do something else that feels businessy but isn't sort of you having to put yourself out there webinars are great though for building your contacts I really think if you're feeling in a contact rut and like there's nobody new in your business life just join a couple of free webinars and then put some comments in the chat and people will follow you they'll be interested in what you do because everyone you know to other people what you do is probably very very interesting to you it's probably like oh no everything's failing someone else will look at your business and be like oh that's interesting I think stationary nice (laughs) you never know who's out there so join some webinars can often get you out of a little rut as well that's all really great advice on a different point do you think in those quiet phases it should also be an opportunity to rethink your approach especially if you're sort of getting a lot of rejections very much so I think it's that kind of time as well where you should look at those projects that you always have on the back burner and think, well, hold on, if it's quiet, I could do it. And, and podcasting is a great example. I think most people these days are thinking, maybe I could start a podcast. It's like, well, okay, if things are quiet, start looking into it. Make a list of your dream guests. Have a look at some of the software or go and join some podcast groups or Google some podcasting blogs and see if you think it is really something you want to get involved in. That could then turn your quiet time. And it's not that you're going to then earn money in the immediate instance but starting the podcast in the quiet time or starting a newsletter in the quiet time or upping your blog content even though it's not paid could lead to loads more business because you're then you're working on your business for future clients to see what you do so there's that kind of element exactly like you said of kind of yeah making sure that the quiet time works for you in whatever way you need it to it might be that the quiet time literally you need to be like well actually you just want to watch a whole box set you're feeling burnt out and it's all been too much and you literally want to stare at Netflix for 12 hours and eat ice cream. If that's what you need to do with your quiet time for a day, go for it. Because the phone will ring again. It's something I tell myself all the time. It's like, it will ring again. 
And then you'll be doing those days where you have to get up to 5 a.m. and be like, oh, no, deadlines. Why didn't I eat ice cream on that day when I was quiet? Damn it. (laughs) Yeah, and kind of, I remember I went to Freelance Heroes Day two summers ago now, I think it was. Yeah, it was the year, the summer before I launched Freelance Feels. And someone I met there said that they had a list of their values, their core values for them and their business, and they had it next to their desk. And they would cross-check when they were working with a client or a new client came to them or, or was a possible new client how well they fitted with the values. And that's something you could almost do with your current clients. For me, with magazines, there's a lot of people I've worked for in the past that actually were very stressful to work with, like the demands of their editing was actually anxiety-inducing at one point. And I just thought, actually, that's because that brand, that magazine, doesn't fit with any of my values. You could use your quiet time to go, do you know what then? I won't pitch to them again. Okay, I need to pitch to some other people then, because obviously I can't just remove a client and not have anything else there. So yeah, I definitely think, yeah, kind of do a spring clean of your inbox and think, does that person just wind me up when they email me? Because their PR brand isn't anything to do with what I write about. Email them back and say, I'd like to unsubscribe from your list. Brilliant. Bit of dusting. Great. Well done. That'll help your mental health as well, I would say. Brilliant. We now have some questions that have been sent in by freelancers. Firstly, from Claire, she asks, how can I stop comparing myself to other freelancers? And Jess asks this too. (laughs) Jenny also asks this. (laughs) It's so hard, isn't it? It's kind of like, oh, I just wish there was a magic pill that we could all take that stopped us all comparing. And I know for a fact that it happens all the way up the hierarchy. So you can guarantee, um, as we're speaking, for example, Katy Perry has had her baby with Orlando Bloom. I'm I'm sure there are other celebrity mums going, oh, look at her first picture. Oh, Oh, she's called her baby Daisy. I called my, you know, comparing names, comparing the Instagram posts that they put out there. You know, there'll be that comparison right down to, oh, so-and-so that I used to work with is now an editor of a magazine. Why aren't I the editor of that magazine? And I think with that in mind, I often then come back and ask myself, well, what did I do or what didn't I do that they have done? Somebody I know recently has got a teaching post and I thought, oh, they've got, oh, they're going to be a lecturer. Oh, I was like, well, I didn't apply for that job. How was I even in with a chance of what she's doing? I didn't apply for it. It's also in Devon, which is not where I live, so I couldn't have applied for it. But I guess often try and ask yourself the question you'd ask if it was a friend saying that they were doing the overcomparing and say, well, what are you really comparing? Are you jealous or is it just that you're bothered that you're not doing something similar? Do you really want to be doing what they say they're doing? So-and-so's written a novel. Do you really want to write a novel or do you want to write a non-fiction book? What is the real little nerve it's triggering? So almost sort of think back. Um, I've written on my notes in character letters, not before bed, but I'm guilty of this as well. You have a lovely day. You actually do some work for someone. You make a few new connections. You might do a webinar. You might manage to fit in some exercise, watch a bit of trashy telly, eat well. Oh, my day's amazing. I know, just before bed, why don't I scroll through Instagram and see if I can just trigger myself before I go to sleep? Don't look at it before bed, I would say, social media. Remove the notifications unfollow like we said but yeah I think removing notifications is a biggie because then they don't pop up when you least expect them yeah that's a really good point about getting a break from social media do you do that Jess oh no I'm the worst I'm always you know if I'm making a coffee or something I just look on my phone and I scroll through kind of Facebook Instagram Twitter LinkedIn and you get to the point where you just you're there for 10 minutes but you should have only been up for like two minutes I'm I'm dreadful. (laughs) What about you? Are you any better than me? (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm similar. I'm trying to get better. I actually just deleted my Instagram app, but sometimes I re-download it as well. So we'll see. <laughs> that's really good though that you've done, you've actually deleted the app. That's a good step. Maybe I need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just forces you to stay off it. Okay, our next question is from Chris. And he asks, how should I respond to a rejection or getting no response? Should I ask for feedback? And if so, what's the best way to ask? I love this question because it really got me thinking, I don't often ask for feedback. And I think actually a lot of people are happy to give it. You know, they might happily just reply and say, actually, it didn't fit with the plans we've got for our business at the moment. And so it might not actually be your idea that they didn't want. It might just not fit with what they're doing I would say, bear in mind that people are very, very busy, so they might not even reply to your request for feedback. But I think if it's in an email conversation, strike while the iron is hot. So if someone politely says, thank you, but it's not for us, you know, give it a few minutes and go straight back and say, thank you, really appreciate the reply. Would it be possible to get a little bit of feedback on why it wasn't for you this time? And then generally, in my experience, they will either say, something a bit sort of throwaway like it just didn't fit with what we're doing and you're a bit like "Mm, well that doesn't really help or they might say it's too similar to something we did a month ago it feels too soon for us and then you might be like oh well actually it was on their wavelength then it fitted with their brand it was just too soon after the last time they covered that particular topic but yeah ask because I guess the worst case scenario is you'll be ignored the best case scenario is you'll get a piece of feedback that you can put onto that pitching spreadsheet and think "Hmm, yeah it wasn't the idea that was bad It, it was just the timing so definitely do that and I think Be honest with yourself as well and kind of think about, go back to why you think it might not have hit the spot for them. Because often you might, in hindsight, think, oh, yeah, no, it's not right for them because actually I pitched the angle of a report style feature and a lot of their content is first person. So I would say also take five minutes to give yourself a bit of feedback. Look at your pitch and think, was this the best this pitch could have been? I always say your pitch needs to have a few things in it. It needs a really strong angle if it's personal, you know, a really strong opinion. It needs a celebrity or a stat. You know, it needs to answer the question, why would they want this? And that goes from journalism pitches, but right through to why might they want your web design services or why might they want you to tile their bathroom? Do you do the kind of cool tiling that's really trendy at the moment that people want? Or is that something you might pivot to, for example? So look back and think, was your pitch exactly as it needed to be? And I think a good thing with that is that lots of people have pitching guidelines. So there are lots of websites where if you sort of do a little search, Medium have quite a few, where they say, look, if you're going to pitch to us, this is how we want it. So before you send it, make sure it's like, you know, almost super swatty close to what they want. Then at least you'll know if you're asking for feedback, they won't say, well, it wasn't in the format that we like, read our pitching guidelines. And then you'll go, oh, I feel so embarrassed. So yeah, almost kind of do a bit of self-analysis. Is it as good as it could have been your pitch? How could it be changed? How might you sort of zhuzh it up a bit for next time? That kind of thing. Our last question comes from Grace who asks, how many times should I pitch to the same client before moving on? Never ending. (laughs) So the magazine who is considering my idea about the autumn equinox, I've been pitching to for about 18 months and have a really nice relationship with the commissioning editor. She always does give feedback quite brief but good enough that I know why it didn't work for them that time which is helpful so yeah this is the first time in 18 months that there might be the sniff of a yes on an idea so I think you've got to just bide your time and I almost have sort of the big guns goals and the little ones so this one that I'm pitching to is like a real big gun like that would be a career high if they wanted my article whereas then there are some like the daily paper that I often write for 
they might say no. And I think, well, that's all right. I'll pitch them again next week. So I think it depends who the client is. If it's a website that runs tons of content, pitch loads because they want ideas. They need people to send them ideas. But if it's a really big client and you might be, let's use web designers as the example again, you know, you're saying to somebody, I was looking at a website and I wondered if you'd be interested in a revamp. I offer that service. If they don't apply, I'd follow up once, but then I would leave it because you don't want to constant. It's like that door knocking thing again. You know, if they answer the door once and say, not today, thank you. You don't knock straight on the door again, but it doesn't mean you can't walk on that street and knock on that door again in a week or a month's time because they might be in a completely different place and really need some dusters. <laughs> so yeah, keep, keep at it. You know, don't, don't ever give up. If it's a, a client you really want to work with or a brand you really want to collaborate with, I would also say follow them and get involved on their social media as well. So be a name that they like see all the time. So don't just be someone in their inbox, be someone who likes their tweet, you know, be a bit of a fan. And then when you email, they'll be like, oh, are you so-and-so who followed me on social media? And you'll be like, oh, yes, that is me. So yeah, be a, a little bit of a fan as well as just a picture. I love that analogy about the dusters and knocking on the door. <laughs> I can't believe I remembered those guys. Well, some women did it, but it was mainly men for some reason. But that's the freelancing, isn't it? We're all just trying to sell our dusters. I think that's the new motto. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, that's all we have time for this episode. You'll be able to find a lot of information in the show notes below and on Freelance Corner. Thanks for listening to Freelance Party Broadcast. Join Freelance Corner, the online platform for freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk. Also, Jenny's website, freelancefields.com, is a great resource for all types of content on freelance fields as Jenny has explained you can subscribe to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app Spotify or on any other podcast platform please like share and leave us a review and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time we hope our listeners stay safe at home and thanks so much for joining us Jenny thank you for having me